Hi, welcome to Mobile Interactions Now, the podcast where industry pros share firsthand experiences on making mobile interactions work. I'm Kevin, and I'm part of the team here at Tintech. On today's episode, we have the conclusion of our conversation with Regine Gilbert on the topic of inclusive design. Regine is an industry assistant professor at NYU Tannen School of Engineering. So here's part two of our conversation with Regine. Take it away, Gene. Regine, welcome back to the show. In our previous episode, we touched on the general concept of inclusive design and some of the recent development that's been happening. And in this episode, I would love us to share some more specific steps that business can take. I know we ended our last conversation on one of the greatest recommendations, which is, again, it's like the obvious thing, like hire some people with accessibility difficulties, and then you observe them and they, you know, they are part of you. And that kind of triggered my even ambitious plan of of getting more actionable things, like what, what else can we do? So in this episode, I would love us to just talk about the general thing so that, you know, it's easier for business to like really grasp it and then say, hey, we start from this and, and we, we start doing more and, and that kind of direction if possible. Sure. So, I mean, again, I think things depend. So if you have a physical space that people can go to to purchase or experience your services, is that space accessible as possible? So thinking about folks who may be coming in with a wheelchair, uh, people who may use a cane, people who may use a walker, is there a ramp? If you are upstairs, do you have elevators? Like how are people entering the space? And then once they get into the space, what does that look like? Are they able to move around? Uh, Is there space for people to move around? So that's from a, a physical Uh, perspective from a a digital perspective there are a few things that a business owner can do is they can go to webaim.org they could type in their website Uh, webaim has uh, several different things on the site but one of the things they they have is to do a check of your website to see if it's accessible according to the web content accessibility guidelines and see if there are any errors pop up. If any errors pop up, are you able to fix those errors or or find somebody to help? I think if you're a new business owner and you're just getting started, when you're in the planning phase, thinking about, am I thinking about inclusion? Am I thinking about accessibility? And what does that mean for my business, right? Again, because this is very specific. So there's lots of little things you could do, but I, I would say start with the plan of what you can do based on the time, the money, and the resources that you have in order to do it. It's a perennial issue, but I I do think that that needs to be said to really be part of the whole development process. And when you are describing the aim.org and that kind of aided functionality that we can bring in, meaning like, you know, try to find the error. I think of, you know, how, you know, a lot of us are used to looking at analytics on our, you know, web performance and stuff like this, and where it automatically catches broken links 
you know, because <laughs> because it, it it doesn't convert. And looking at patterns of user journey within the site and things like this. And I have this desire, if what you are talking about is part of accessibility, you know, broken accessibility experience or something like part of the analytics or some something that can be measured that people can actually see and say, hey, how bad we are doing and can act to any of those parts where it can be more systematic, it can be more standard process in how we are evaluating our design or how we are designing that, that will be really great. Yeah, and this is why I think it needs to be thought about from the very beginning, because when you think about something from the beginning, then you are able to integrate it into your workflow. You can think about how to automate certain things, and it doesn't become this afterthought, which oftentimes inclusion and accessibility is an afterthought. So if you're thinking about it from the very beginning, we're starting this new project, we're going to make this project inclusive and accessible, then you're integrating it in. Right. And it doesn't become this thing like one of my um, my friend's moms used to say, if you make it a big deal, it becomes a big deal. <laughs> like, so don't make it a big deal. Just inc include it from the very beginning. Yes. Sounds like what my mom would say, too, actually, if she's hearing <laughs> what I'm talking about. But let me ask you this, though. You're in a meeting situation, so there are plenty of people who will make it difficult <laughs> because like, what? what does that mean? How, how am I doing this differently? So let me tap into your project management um, experience as well. I mean, you know, the, the regular development, like let's say CX or UX development process. I would love you to just walk us through some of the examples where you are able to kind of show like, hey, you start plugging this in and factor this in into this process and the rest of the things can flow like this, whether it's a typical, you know, the problem discovery phase and whatnot. Can you walk us through some of the process that you are part of? Yeah. So I think that if you're talking about a project that is starting from the beginning, so I'll give an example of, you know, in my past life, working on an app redesign. Right. And so one of the things that we did first was we did uh, usability testing of the existing application and then got feedback on that. Then we did an analysis of the app itself and combined our analysis with the findings from the usability testing to say, hey, we need to make these changes. Right. And then on top of that, reviewing accessibility of the application, right? So how is this working with voiceover? Is it not so well, right? So we, we discover this. So then what changes do we need to make as we're working on this redesign? How are the colors? The colors aren't high enough contrast. We need to change the colors to make sure that they're visible to people who have low vision or color blindness. And then incorporating that into the project plan, right? So that's just one thing that I've done in my past life is, is evaluating where you are and then determining what the gaps are and then making that plan to fix the things that you need to fix, but also thinking about it from an inclusive and accessible lens. And again, there's an ongoing education process, right? This isn't something that, you know, I wrote a book on accessibility and inclusion. I, I don't think I know anything still, right? So this is an ongoing learning process. And I think that people need to be open to that 
and not just say, well, we've always done it this way, so we're going to continue to do it that way. And for those who are in positions where they don't feel that they're in a position of power to make any changes, I think the best thing that you can do is to ask questions, right? So have we run these colors through a color contrast checker? Has anybody tried using a screen reader with this website, right? So there are questions that can be asked in order to facilitate possible change. Is there such thing as a like compliance movement? Meaning is this anytime becoming a part of compliance requirement you have to follow or adhere to, or is this still pretty much volunteer-ish? Well, it, it all somebody sues you. <laughs> yeah, well, it depends, right? So, you know, I don't know who is listening to this or where people are located. So there is a general body for the internet that most people don't even know that exists, right? So it's the W3C, the World Wide Web Consortium. Within the World Wide Web Consortium, there are a set of guidelines called the Web Content Accessibility Guidelines. Those guidelines are things that businesses should know about. They should understand that they should adhere to them as best as they can. And if they are doing so, then it's helpful to be compliant, as you're saying. But again, it, it's all dependent on where you are in the world and what laws are. But the, I would say all businesses should be aware and execute on the web content accessibility guidelines if they have a digital presence. And what is some of the things that we can extract from that guideline into some of the you know new things that we are playing, whether you mentioned AR and VR as well. I mean, I, I deal with a lot of chatbot interactions and which is you know, yet another difficult category. Yeah, chatbots are oftentimes not accessible, which I'm, I'm teaching. My students are actually working on chatbots now. Tell us a little bit about, because there are so many people working on chatbots these days. What are some general guidelines and where the direction is headed? Well, the thing with chatbots is I don't, I, you know, I, I have obtained several books and looked at many things. I, there aren't any general rules around uh, chatbots, but the, what is very interesting is that oftentimes people don't think of somebody who might be using a screen reader with a chatbot and what that means and how, and, and a lot of times people don't, with the, one of the issues with a chatbot is people don't know if they're dealing with a human or a computer, right? And so there's, you know, what, what is, how do people know the difference? That's one of the, the I think, struggles, um, especially when people are, are not, people who are using screen readers, right? So how do they know they're inter not interacting with a real human versus the, the, the chatbot? So I, I'm, not, I'm no chatbot expert by any stretch. I'm still in the process of learning as I'm, I'm teaching this, but what I have discovered is there's a lot of accessibility issues around chatbots in general. As somebody who's teaching and keep watching the industry, what would you like to see happening more you know, in a near future? I'd like to see more people with disabilities getting hired uh, to be part of various parts of the business so that we're not having these gaps as we do now with inclusion and accessibility. I think 
a large, again, the nothing about us without us. If you really are looking to have the biggest, best business ever, study after study has shown that having an inclusive strategy is helpful to grow your business and to scale the business. So hiring people that are from diverse and different backgrounds, hiring people with disabilities will ultimately help your business. I absolutely cannot add anything more than nothing about us is without us. And I think that general understanding is is where it, it really should start. So I really thank you for this. And that's been very enlightening. But I do have a, one more little nosy question for you. I am dying to know what you use the most on your mobile phone. Top three will be great. Okay, so I actually use night mode. I use the night whole, mode whole- all day. I use night mode uh, because I, I don't like bright. I don't like bright light. And so I use night mode on my mobile device. I use night mode on my computer. That's probably the number one thing. I can't, like if somebody shows me their screen, I, I squint because I just cannot take bright light. Uh, really irritates me. And I'm a huge Spotify person. I use Spotify, the app, and I use, I'm a big Twitter person. Those are my top three things on my, my device. Awesome. The first one, the night mode, I never saw it coming. Uh, absolutely great. I only get it when, I, when it reminds me I have to go to sleep. So mm-hmm. there you go. Thank yeah. you very much. You create a way to use it differently. Thanks again to Regine Gilbert for joining us today. You can find more about Regine and her work at wp.nyu.edu ability or at reg underscore i-n-e-e on Twitter. To find out more about Gene and Tintech, visit tintech.com. Make sure to subscribe to Mobile Interactions Now in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or anywhere else podcasts are found. On behalf of the team here at Tintech, Thanks for listening.